So chocolate for breakfast seems a popular idea. Uh, did anyone, and maybe this is a kid's question, anyone go looking for eggs? Anyone hard boil eggs, color them, hide them, kids find them? Yeah, there's a few. We, we've, we've done this the last couple of years with our daughters. And Easter morning, we have this moment where we both realize that we didn't write down where the eggs are. And we, we believe we accurately remember how many there are, but there's always this, I wonder in a few weeks' time if we'll walk in a room and there'll be a strange scent, and then the mystery will be revealed, uh, maybe. But this is a great moment. Easter is a, Easter changes everything. This is the day where light overcomes darkness. This is the day where death is not the end of the story. This is the day of new creation, new possibilities. And it's both a historical event that happened and is still happening in that we are continually invited to be part of the story. And that's what we're going to look at today. Let me start with a story. I love this time of year. I love the slightly chilly mornings and then the warmer kind of day as it gets on. And I love being in nature. And I especially like being near water. And a fishing rod helps. The last few weeks on my, on my days off, I've been spending a few hours fishing a stretch of the Blackstone River. I've got a, a photo that I can show you. It will appear in the room and for those online as well. And it's a beautiful time of year. There is the new buds of spring. And a, a river is, is always interesting. A river is never the same twice. If you were to look at a river the next day, it changes because of rising levels of rain or snow melting and the coloration changes. And there's always a beauty in the mystery of the river, and I love that. Sadly, this river is near a road, and people often tend to litter, what you call trash, and they throw it out. And, and for some time, I've seen this, and it's, and it's annoyed me. And I'm a, I'm a great believer that you can be annoyed about something, or you can do something about it. So this week I was fishing, and I took a bag and this kind of litter picker, and I cleared the whole area, and I filled up this big bag. Because you can either get annoyed about something, or you can do something about it. I'm going to come back to the river story later on, and you'll see where we're going. In the meantime, we're going to look at the most important story, the story that changes everything. We're going to look at John's gospel. John wrote this gospel as an eyewitness account. He was one of Jesus' followers. He was there. He saw it. He experienced it. And we, we read that and we see that. If you've got your Bibles, we're looking at John 20. If you haven't, it's going to appear on the screen in the room and also on your screen at home. And I'm going to read this. John 20. And we're reading from verse 1 to verse 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, that's John, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, 
as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciple went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go instead and tell my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. I love this. I've grown up in church. I've celebrated Easter every year. I'm 42 years old. And I don't know where you stand on this. For some people, this is a story that's familiar that you you attend church once a year. For some, you're in. You're fully convinced. But for others, you've got questions and you're not convinced. I want to tell you, you are in really good company. Sometimes the church has this tendency to give off this impression that we've got all the answers and we've got everything sorted, and that's just not true. This gospel, this incredibly sacred, important text was written by John himself, and John describes himself as this. He saw and believed, but he still didn't fully understand. If you're listening to this, And you're thinking, I kind of believe, but I don't fully understand. You are in good company. You're in the best company. And then Mary. I love the way Mary lingers. The boys, off they go, scratching their heads along the road. But Mary lingers. She stays there. If you imagine what they've seen, what they've experienced. Mary is broken. Her hopes have been dashed. What she believed is now in question, and she's utterly broken, confused, concerned. She's got nowhere to go. She, she just lingers. And then Jesus appears and reveals himself, and she's the first person to see the risen Jesus. I love that Jesus chooses to reveal himself first to the people in life who find themselves broken and confused 
and they don't get it, and they haven't got all the answers. And those are the people that Jesus intentionally chooses to reveal himself to first. Not the religious people, not the people that, that pretend they've got their life in order, but the people like Mary, the people that Jesus reveals himself to first. And it says in the text, Mary assumes that he's the gardener. Sometimes we read this text, and if, like me, you've read it many times, you move on at this detail. I want to pause in this detail for a moment. Mary assumes that he is the gardener. This is an interesting idea. If you've read the beginning of the Bible, it begins with this book called Genesis, which means beginnings. And in the beginning, God is there as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The first verse in the Bible, which is actually in John's Gospel, says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And in that remarkably interesting poetry and text, it's explaining that Jesus was the Word of God that spoke creation into being. Jesus was there in the beginning. And the beginning, the creation story, tells a story of this beautiful garden. And in this garden, there's life and there's fullness and there's fruit trees and there's a river and it's beautiful. And God was there in the beginning as the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was there in the beginning, creating this garden and into that garden, creating people made in their image. Let us make men and women in our image. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Jesus was the gardener. And then here we find ourselves in this new beginning. The text began on the first day of the new week. It began with the descriptive language that it was dark. It was still dark as she went to the tomb. And the darkness is shifting and a new dawn is beginning. And we're in another garden. And Jesus is restoring creation. There is a new beginning. It is the first day of the week of a new week. It is a new dawn. Jesus is the gardener. Jesus is instigating a new beginning. And we are invited to be part of that. There is this restoration of creation occurring Jesus was the gardener. Jesus is the gardener. And Jesus is the fountain of life. Later New Testament writers said, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. So in this moment, in this garden, in this confusion, Jesus is resurrected and is restoring creation and launching a new creation, a new movement of which people like Mary are invited to be part of this story. Not just to observe it as that's interesting, but actually I want you to be part of this story. I want you to say what you've seen and heard to the others because this story, this beginning was never meant to just be here. It was always meant to travel. Easter is not the end of something, as in Passion Week. It is the start of something. Something new has happened, and we, like the disciples, are invited to be part of it. New creation is being launched, and Jesus, in his creative way, is the gardener. He's orchestrating it, 
and he's inviting us to be part of it. He does it in a way that's beautifully personal. He says her name, Mary. He knows all of our names, and it begins as personal as that. And then it travels and it spreads. Go and tell the others. So what does this mean? What does this mean to you? Back to the river story. Many of us would describe that there are parts of our life that like the river, like the scene. It's beautiful. It's good. It's really good. But many of us would also recognize that like the scene where there's the road that runs along the river, there's trash, there's rubbish, there's junk that we put there, that we did. And if we look at ourselves, we see the good bits, but we also see the trash, the rubbish that lines the scene that is our lives. But yet in this story, Jesus the gardener is cleaning up all of our mess. He's cleaning up all of the mess. He is restoring creation as it was meant to be. And it's big, and it's bigger than ourselves, but yet it begins with ourselves. Well, because of the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, he wants to clear up and restore everything, all the litter, all the rubbish, all the trash that we have just lined in what was once a beautiful creation story. It's all being restored for those who say yes to Jesus. The Apostle Paul explained it as, as I just said a few moments ago, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new beginning. They are a new creation because the old has gone. The new has come. For some, this is a new beginning and they need to say yes to Jesus for the first time. For many of us, there is this point in our lives where we've said yes to Jesus and that sometimes we've got it right and our, our river, our nature scene has looked good, but there's other times when we know there's been some rubbish along the way. And for some of us, we still see it, coexist in the same picture. I want you to do something about that. Today, Jesus said to some people in the Gospel of Matthew, because he knew the hearts of people, he said this, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It's easy to say something, and it's harder to do something. And Jesus knew that. And for those of us of which I'm in this group who are following Jesus, we know that there's times when we honor him with our lips, but we know that there's there's litter and trash, and what was meant to be beautiful is kind of ugly. May I encourage you today to respond, not just with your lips, but with your heart. This is, I don't want to just honor you with my lips, but I want my heart to be for you. Jesus gave him his all for you and me. May we give our all in return. Because this is the day of a new creation. On the first day of a new week, with a new dawn. And we are invited to be part of it to receive the gift that is both personal and yet instigates a whole new creation movement. That's what we need. Let's pray. I want to pray for you and I want to encourage you to respond. For some, if you aren't convinced, you've 
ever responded to Jesus, you've ever found Jesus, you may be that person who's got more questions than answers. As I said, you are in good company. The writers of the New Testament had questions, doubts, and concerns. You are in good company. All you need to do is receive the gift that is Jesus and recognize that like that beautiful river scene, there's trash and there's rubbish and you kind of put it there. He wants to clear it up. He wants to restore creation for you. And all we need to do is say, Jesus, I'm sorry for the mess I've made. Please forgive me and please help me to know you. Help me to be in you and for you to be in me. And then for many of us, and I'm praying this prayer, Jesus, there's times we've honored you with our lips, but our hearts have been somewhere else. Lord, for anyone in the room or online that could say, yeah, that's me. There's times when I've honored him with my lips, but my heart's been somewhere else. Lord, forgive us. And as this new day dawns, as this new creation begins, Lord, restore us afresh. May we be in you and may you be in us. And may that change us now and always. Amen. We're going to sing and we're going to celebrate.